Democratic base is very dialed into abortion rights as an issue more broadly. Uh, Same-sex marriage rights. The state's last abortion the provider. Now apologize to his congregation. The Bible has application for every part of our lives. Her views as a Southern Baptist. In the midst of all of today's noise and confusion, we need a voice that cuts through the chaos to bring wisdom and clarity. Welcome to The Roy's Report with Julie Roy's, an hour-long show exploring critical issues related to faith and culture from a uniquely Christian perspective. Now, here's your host, Julie Roy's. About 18 months ago, Willow Creek Community Church was rocked by allegations of sexual misconduct by senior pastor Bill Hybels. Hybels resigned, the elder board was replaced, an investigation found that the women's allegations against Hybels were credible, but the turmoil still continues. Welcome to the Roy's Report, brought to you in part by Judson University. I'm Julie Roy's, and today we're going to go behind the headlines to explore what's really going on at Willow Creek. If you've followed the news, you know that last week, Marcus Bischke, lead pastor at Willow Creek Crystal Lake, one of Willow Creek's eight Chicago-area campuses, resigned. But when he resigned, he wrote a very telling letter to his congregation. Bischke wrote, and I quote, Over the past 20 months, it's become increasingly clear to me that my heart and values are not in full alignment with Willow's current direction. I cannot pastor and lead to the best of my ability without being fully aligned in these fundamental areas. I've longed for and encouraged Willow to pursue a different path toward healing, but due to a difference of opinion on what that path should be, I believe I must depart. Now, many pastors leave their congregations over a difference of opinion. Even the Apostle Paul and his faithful partner in ministry, Barnabas, at one point disagreed so strongly that they separated for a time. But what makes this separation so significant is that Bisky represents a sizable group at Willow Creek, a group that is dissatisfied with Willow's path to healing. And among them are the women who were victims of Bill Hybels. In July, Willow Creek held what was billed as a reconciliation service. Yet it wasn't clear who was reconciling with whom. None of the victims were invited to participate, women who initially had been discredited by the church. And none of the specific sins by Bill Hybels were named, though the elders had earlier released a statement saying that they believed the women's allegations. But there were no apologies to the women at that service. There was no real reconciliation with anyone. Afterwards, one of the women who had exposed abuse by Hybels, Nancy Beach, a former teaching pastor, wrote, I had such hopes for how this group of new elders would steward the information, the stories we had told, and last night that hope evaporated. I was stunned and devastated. And so it seems that Willow Creek is struggling to deal with the sins of its former pastor and his victims, and the church is seeking healing, but there doesn't seem to be consensus about what that healing should look like. So today, I've invited two people with decades of experience at Willow Creek and some revealing inside information to come on this program. One of them is Jim Bedell, a licensed clinical psychologist who's attended Willow Creek for over 30 years and has been involved in leadership in multiple ministries and leading small groups. So Jim, welcome. I'm so glad you could join us. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. And also joining me is Teresa Zinkel. Uh, Teresa grew up going to Willow Creek and then worked a couple years for the Willow Creek Association and then a couple years at Willow Creek Crystal Lake. Teresa actually had a really devastating experience at Willow Creek about 10 years ago, and she'll talk about that later in the program. But just within the past 18 months, Teresa has experienced a remarkable healing and reconciliation with Pastor Bischke and Willow Creek Crystal Lake. 
And just recently, she'd begun attending church again. So, Teresa, thank you so much for coming and for being willing to tell your story. Thank you for having me. And I should mention that I also invited Marcus Bischke to come on the program. He declined. However, he did write me in an email. Uh, He said he is immensely grateful for how God worked through Jim and Teresa to help us learn and grow as pastors and as a church. So that's a pretty cool endorsement of the two of you. Uh, I also invited the elders at Willow Creek to join us. They declined, um, but that invitation is still open. And so I I really do hope to get the elders on this program. I would love to talk to them and hear their perspective through what is admittedly just a very, very difficult uh, period for Willow Creek Community Church. But what I'd like to do right now is just start our discussion talking about what happened last week. Your pastor, both of you uh, are attending Willow Creek, Crystal Lake, and your pastor got up, Pastor uh, Marcus, got up and shared with the congregation that he was leaving. There was a core meeting, as I understand it, with, uh, what, about 50 people attended that? Uh, Maybe 70, yeah. Okay, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is a pretty small fraction of the total, right? I mean, how many many go to the church? I I think it's about, what, 20, is it 2,500? 1800 something wow. like so that. Wow. So it's a yeah. really small small group that it's actually It's a very small percentage, right? And, but everybody mm-hmm. was invited to this? Or? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. So, and then that's where he announced this. So, I would like to know, and maybe Jim, you could start us off, what happened in that meeting and what was that like? Well, Marcus uh, read a statement about you know, the fact that he had a fundamental disagreement as you were talking about with uh, very much like Paul and Barnabas, that left him in a position where he felt in good conscience or in good faith he could not continue you know, with the organization because I, I believe at some level he felt like that <clears throat> kind of reflected uh, staying in a situation that he just did not morally feel uh, right about. And what was it that, that he had trouble with specifically? The fact that, you know, and, and I would say from the very beginning, Marcus and Dave Smith, the uh, executive pastors, they were the most open and honest about uh, the women's stories, saying that they believed them from the very beginning. Mm. And as a result of that, they started way back 20 months ago or so, uh, acknowledging that, owning that, saying that, you know, the church had a problem, needed to reconcile with the uh, the women, and so they they struggle with the fact that the bigger church did not really want to embrace a, a deeper healing of you know doing what First Timothy five talks about you know rebuking an elder publicly who has sinned mm-hmm. you know that not because you're trying to you know drag them through guilt and shame but because the behavior for instance of Bill Hybels was so egregious that it had to publicly be called out and recognized as something that was absolutely unacceptable for a pastor. And in doing that, you know, the elders were saying, we will not tolerate that in the church and we'll do what it takes to prevent that from happening. I think Marcus wanted to see that happen, among other things. Uh, Reconciliation, which, you know, they embraced very quickly once they started realizing that they had been a party to some issues in the past that were unbiblical, that were not uh, based on any attempts to reconcile or have a redemptive outcome. And so he was just troubled by the fact that his church, he could kind of push that, but in the context of the leadership of the uh, the larger body, he was 
uh, his voice really wasn't heard. Hmm. And I think there's probably a lot of people listening who don't even know. When you say egregious, they know there were some allegations by some women, but what really happened? I've talked to a number of those women, you know, off the record, and they've shared some of what's happened. And, uh, you know, one of them, and this this is public, it said when, when they did tell the elders their story, like, they were in tears, like the whole entire elder board. And so when that reconciliation meeting came, they thought, wow, they're really going to say what actually happened. And, and they're going to apologize to us because they apologized privately, but they haven't done it from the stage where they initially said that we were not saying the truth. And so uh, I know that was it was a real disappointment and has been been a heartache for some. And I don't know all the reasons behind that. And again, would love to speak to the elders about that. But Teresa, you had just started going to the church um, because you had had this devastating experience I alluded to. We'll, we'll talk about that in just mm-hmm. a bit. But so you walked into this meeting kind of cold, you know, on Sunday. Right. Yeah. Uh, my husband and I and our young son had attended church and we were actually getting ready to leave. And I ran into Jim in the lobby and um, he said, are you staying for the core meeting? And I'm like, I'm not really the core. So we, I had no idea. And he said, I, you know, I really encourage you to stay. And um, I ended up going to it. And I have to say, I wasn't surprised to mm-hmm. hear that he was leaving just based on the meetings that I had with him personally over the last 18 months and kind of hearing his heart in this and and some of the burden that I felt like he was carrying alone Um, In my situation personally, he wasn't the responsible party for what had happened, but he took responsibility when nobody else would step up and Mm. apologize. And I could really feel that from him. So when he, you know, gave the statement that he was leaving, you know, it made me sad for the congregation because I could feel in them this feeling like they were being almost abandoned. Mm. And I didn't get that sense from him. I just really felt like, you know, he had been praying about this for so long. It was such a heavy weight that he had been carrying and his family, you know, was likely affected by what he had been put through that, you know, it was time, time to go. And I really commend him for making that decision, especially based on the fact that he had tried many times to do what was scripturally correct in going to the elders. And it's my understanding that at that meeting, some people were not just upset that he's leaving, but wondering, going forward, what does this mean for us? Can we even secede, I heard was asked. So we're going to talk about that when we come back from break. Again, you're listening to The Roy's Report. I'm Julie Roy's. Joining me today, Jim Bedell and Teresa Zinkel. We will be right back after a short break. We now return to the Roy's Report. Here's your host, Julie Roy's. We've seen the headlines and maybe read some news stories, but what's really going on at Willow Creek? And what caused a campus pastor to resign last week? Welcome back to the Roy's Report. I'm Julie Roy's. And today we're getting a look at what's happening at Willow Creek from the perspective of two lay people with decades of experience at the church, Jim Bedell and Teresa Zinkel, both also have had a lot of contact with Pastor Marcus Bischke, who resigned last week uh, from Willow Creek Crystal Lake, saying his heart and his values were not in alignment with Willow's current direction. He added that he believed that Willow needs to pursue a different path to healing. And as we discussed in the last segment, uh, there are a lot of people within Willow and victims of Hybels who have already left who say reconciliation has not occurred, and the church still has not named the specific sins Hybels committed or apologized publicly to 
the women that he harmed. And by the way, if you'd like to join this discussion, the best way to do that is to go online uh, with our social media to get to us on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash reachjulieroys, and Roys is spelled R-O-Y-S. And on Twitter, our handle is at reachjulieroys. So before the break, Teresa, I said that uh, something that I'd heard is that at that meeting, there were some people who were upset. You know, I mean, here... Your pastor, who you love, and I know you were saying you've got a sort of a special connection with uh, Pastor Marcus there at the church, he's leaving, and supposedly because he's at odds with Big Willow, um, and some people are saying, well, do we need to be a part of Big Willow? Why can't we just be, you know, Crystal Lake Church, right? Right, yeah. Um, in fact, you know, one gentleman even asked, is this an indictment of South Barrington? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another person had, you know, said, can we just be our own church with you as our pastor? Do we have to be a part of the greater, you know, Willow Corporation? Um, and, you know, Marcus made it clear that was not an option. And he also was very clear to say, you know, he doesn't want to be divisive in any way. Um, he kept repeating that he doesn't want to be divisive. He doesn't, you know, want anybody to make rash de- decisions on leaving the church or, you know, anything along those lines. Um, he was very humble, and that's what's always so hard with these mm-hmm. things. It's like anything you say can be construed as divisive, and so everybody's sort of left sitting there going, "What's really going on? What's really happening?" Um, Jim, you've been at the church, you know, a lot longer, uh, three decades, right? Um, So what's your sense with the whole congregation about, you know, is that a a commonly held feeling that you'd like to just be a separate church? Or is that just, I mean, again, there are only 50 people there. You know, how many people really feel that way? You know, I think part of the problem is that uh, there's been such a lack of communication, honest, forthright communication, so that the the extent of the sinful behavior has never really been revealed so that people recognize it's not just, you know, Bill Hybels, you know, hit on women and it was, you know, a very innocuous kind of thing. If they knew the details, they'd realize the depth of the sin and therefore they would realize how important it is for the leadership to address it. You know, in protecting the women and taking a stance before the world that you know, Willow Creek is absolutely against this kind of behavior. So n- there are not enough people that really understand the behind-the-scenes issues. And so for a great many people, even going to Crystal Lake, you know, they just don't have a, a grasp of how, you know, serious this is and how significant it is. The people that were at the core meeting, I think, have had more involvement in understanding what goes on a little bit behind the scenes. So tell me from your perspective, because this is unique. We have someone who's a clinical psychologist. Um, uh, It's had so much experience in that arena. Tell me, for these women who have had these traumatizing experiences, you're saying, you know, in the break you were saying, this is kind of a re-traumatizing thing. Every time they tell their story, they went in and told that story to the elders expecting something to happen. I mean, tell us a little bit about why this is, um, you know, a a real problem. Well, I mean, trauma is, you know, something that unless you've experienced it, you don't get the level of pain that it inflicts on people and how people try to protect themselves from further experiencing the pain. And so one of the, the natural reflexive approaches is to shut down, not talk about it. 
to talk about it means you're kind of reimagining and refeeling, even physically refeeling, the uh, components of the trauma itself. And so, you know, in a therapeutic setting, you would only bring that out if it's in the context of having some healing treatment mm. uh, responses. But when these women were brought to a place where they had to share their traumatic stories to people that were not clinically trained, certainly. Mm -hmm. And the only reason they risked doing that was because they believed that there was going to be a, a redemptive outcome. And that redemptive outcome for them would be that the elders would make this clear statement about Bill Heibel's behavior, the sin of his behavior, the way in which he had inflicted so much damage on uh, women, and when that didn't happen, it's like almost I I look at it as re-traumatization. It's like uh, it's unhealthy f for anybody to ask a trauma victim to share their story mm -hmm. if it's not going to go anywhere, and if it's just going to be a re-experiencing of it without any kind of support around you or any kind of you know understanding of how this can lead to some kind of healing. Well, and, and biblically, um, there needs to be naming of sin right there needs to be Absolutely. that's and, and I went to the reconciliation service and again I'm an outsider I, I admit this and there's I'm not and, and I don't know what it's like to be an elder it, you know, that's another thing I mean they're dealing with a lot of things these new elders are coming in I'm sure they probably a lot of them feel like they're in over their heads so I mean I want to to give them some deference in that way but it was just odd to me that we're like I'm like who are we reconciling with I mean what nothing was named nothing I mean it was just I felt a little bit like I was in the twilight zone yeah. um, but biblically I mean a little bit more needs to happen here yes oh absolutely I mean yeah that was such a bizarre uh, you were like everybody else saying well who who's reconciling with who you know Nobody could kind of put the uh, the finger on that, and so it was it was confusing. It didn't really address the deeper issues of of sin, not only in the sexual areas, but it's very clear from a lot of people's understanding that there was abuse in the leadership of the church. There was abuse that, systemic systemic abuse, and the abuse uh, resulted in things like what happened to Teresa. Okay. Well, and just yeah. to point out, um, in that non-reconciliation meeting, didn't they make a point to say, this will be the last time we're going to talk about right, this? Right, right. Which was huge, especially for the victims, because it shut them down. Yeah. And I had been told by one of the elders that they were reading my blogs and that they would uh, meet with me and discuss things. And then I saw that they were having their final meeting, and they never followed through on that. They did not get my perspective on, you know, the whole situation. And I felt just completely betrayed by that. Well, and Scripture says, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. There, you know, it's hard to say we're done. This is our last statement, especially when the victims don't feel that they're done or that they've gotten what they want. So I think really, really difficult. But we, we have alluded to, Teresa, what happened to you. And I want to tell the story because um, – because I think it is indicative of what you said that this there was a, a bigger issue, uh, not just at Willow, uh, or not just involving these these victims of these women, but there are other victims. You got a letter back in what year was this? This was two thousand and nine. Two thousand and nine. Yes. It says I'm just going to read a little bit of it. As you know, issues have arisen regarding your continued involvement as a volunteer 
with student impact leader, uh, as a student impact leader at Willow Creek, McHenry County, despite efforts by the church to engage you in constructive dialogue with you regarding these matters, you have chosen to engage in a course of conduct that is disruptive and damaging to the ministries of Willow Creek Community Church. Additionally, you're current, you are currently resisting efforts by the church to meet with you and resolve these matters in an amicable and God-honoring way. You are hereby advised that you are prohibited from entering any Willow Creek property, including South Barrington buildings and surrounding property, the Willow Creek uh, McHenry County building and surrounding property, any facilities associated with regional ministries, any attempt by you to enter any building or property associated with Willow Creek will be considered trespass. Willow Creek will at that time contact the police, take all appropriate action to prosecute you and prevent you from such trespass. Any false or misleading information about Willow Creek disseminated by you on the Internet and any contact by you by any means with any staff, volunteer or student impact student regarding any ministry related matter will be considered harassment and Willow Creek will take whatever legal action it deems necessary to prevent you from making such contact or disseminating such false information. Wow, that is quite the letter. I think if I'd gotten that letter, I'd be shaking in my boots. Oh, I was. You I was were, devastated. <laughs> I was absolutely devastated. You were shaken. I'm going to give you a chance when we come back from break to d- discuss what happened leading up to that letter. Sure. What happened with this whole situation? Really amazing story. Uh, again, you're listening to the Roy's Report. I'm Julie Roy's with Teresa Zinkel, Jim Bedell. We'll be right back after a short break. Church scandals have left many disillusioned. After being abused by church leaders, some wonder if they can ever trust God or the church again. Hi, I'm Julie Royce, host of The Roy's Report, and over the past two years, I've reported on scandals in the church and know the devastation they've left. That's why I'm hosting Restore Chicago, a one-day conference restoring faith in God and the church. Restore will address how to survive abuse with your faith intact, why, despite disappointment, we can still believe in the church. And the reasons I believe we're in the midst of an unmistakable move of God to purify his bride. Speakers include Nancy Beach, who exposed abuse by Bill Hybels, and Wade Mullen, a passionate abuse advocate. Also joining me is worship leader Josh Caterer. Please join me Saturday, November 2nd at Judson University for Restore Chicago. For more information, go to RestoreChicagoConference.com. Now, more of the Roy's Report. Once again, here's Julie Roy's. When a megachurch experiences major scandal, how does it heal? And how should it treat victims who are sinned against by a former pastor? Welcome back to The Roy's Report, brought to you in part by Judson University. I'm Julie Roy's, and today we're discussing what's happening at Willow Creek Community Church in the wake of the scandal involving Bill Hybels. In July, the church made what it, uh, what it said was its final statement concerning the scandal, and now it says it's ready to move on. However, Others clearly don't think enough has been done. The church has not ever specifically named what sins Hybels committed, and his victims say true reconciliation has not occurred. And just last week, Marcus Bischke, lead pastor at Willow Creek Crystal Lake, resigned his position over this issue. Bischke said that he did not agree with the path to healing the church was pursuing and added that his heart and values were not in alignment with the leadership. 
We talked a lot about Bishke's resignation in the previous half hour, as well as the differences of opinion concerning this path to healing. And if you missed any part of that, or you just want to listen to the show again or share it with friends, uh, I'm going to be posting the full audio to my website later today. So you just go to Julie Roy, spelled R-O-Y-S dot com, and click on the podcast tab. That's julieroys.com. Right now, I'd like to return to my discussion with um, Teresa Zinkle and Jim Bedell. Both of them are people who have been at Willow Creek for decades. Um, But before the break, Teresa, we were talking about a letter that you got about a decade ago. It was a legal letter from Willow saying that um, it had an issue with you and that you were not engaging in constructive dialogue with this. You had shut everything down, and as a result... You basically were banned from campus, and if you came, they said they would arrest you. You were banned from having a contact with any former students right. that you had, you know, led as a as a leader in the the ministry. Um, and if you put anything out on the internet, <laughs> yes. that they'd come after you as well. Right? What on earth did you do? To warrant this letter? Yeah, that's a good question. That's exactly what I was asking when I received the letter. Um, Just a little bit of a background. I had started serving in student ministries with the Student Impact Group two years prior, and we had become like a family. You know, you develop friendships and relationships with the people that you serve alongside the adults, and I would have these people over every Monday night. We'd get together in my home. We would, you know, kind of forge these friendships and start talking about very personal things as you do as friendships develop. Um, During the course of building those friendships and those relationships, the head of student ministries, she and I had become friends and we would talk about, you know, all kinds of stuff. And one night at my house, it was December, actually, of 2008. We were having a discussion and I was dating my now husband Mm -hmm. and she had asked me, you know, point blank in a more vulgar way, actually, but are you sleeping with him? Hmm. Which I answered truthfully, and I told her, yes, I was. Hmm. And with that, I asked her, you know, would you like me to step down? I know having experience, long experience in Willow, it's a no-no. You you can't lead while you're sinning. And I knew that about myself. And I was almost in some ways looking for a way out. My heart really wasn't in it at the time. Um, Do you feel conviction about it at the time? At the time, I I did. Um, I also was at the stage in my life where I didn't want to disappoint people. And, Hmm. you know, asking her if I should step down and her responding, no, it's okay. She said, no, it's okay. Yeah, she said, the girls love you. You know, almost kind of like swept it under the rug. Like, we're not going to talk about it anymore. Um, there was a lot of other things going on behind the scenes with other people during that time, too. And when you say that, you've talked to me a little bit. Yeah. There was some immorality going on with other leaders, but, I mean, right. we can't go That's into detail about story. that. Right. Exactly. Um, I was honest with her. And um, as the months progressed, uh, it was maybe March, my boyfriend and I, we've been married now, <laughs> my husband and I have been married now 10 years, we had gone to Greece. It was March. And I brought the girls in my small group back these little bracelets that were beaded, insignificant bracelets, which I thought was just a nice gesture. Um, we're, we're still progressing into like April, May, I'm ge- I got engaged. And by June, I had made the decision that I wasn't going to return in the fall to serve, that I was getting married and... You know, the, just it, it wasn't working out. And I kind of pulled away a little bit from the group. And I could feel them pulling away from me, too. There was really nothing specific. It was just I had told them, 
look, I'm not coming back in the fall. You're going to have to find somebody else to lead my group. I love the girls. I really did. And and um, it was such a, you know, a great time in my life to be able to serve. Um, anyways, it was about August, early August. I had been asked to come into a meeting with the head of student ministries and then uh, another gentleman that was serving as maybe like assistant leader. I'm not really sure. They were about 10 years younger than me. And these people I thought were my friends. Um, I went to the meeting at Willow Crystal Lake and we sat down. And again, this is now August and of 2009. And they are very solemn and looking at me like there's need for concern. And I'm kind of like, what is going on? And the head of student ministries tells me, well, there have been some parent complaints. And I'm and I was shocked. I said, about me, you know, what specifically are they complaining about? Well, you went to Greece with a man you weren't married to, and you brought these girls back these bracelets, which signify that um, premarital sex is okay because you went to another country with a man you weren't married to. And I was kind of like, hold on a minute. (laughs) This is not making any sense. And I looked right at her and I said, you knew. I told you way back in December what was going on. So don't sit here and look at me like this is now a shock to you. So this was nine months after. Right. And the whole thing just, it didn't make sense. I felt like in a way I was trying to be discredited in some way. And I felt like that was coming from a place of me knowing personal information about leaders that maybe could have cost them their job. So you knew too much. It was your feeling. That's what I felt. Yeah. Which I was never in any capacity going to bring that out. It was not my place. It's not who I am. Um, you know, I was just moving on with my life, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just felt like it was a case of let's discredit her. And and I, di- I wasn't buying it. And they knew I wasn't buying that story because I said, who specifically complained? Well, we can't tell you that. What did they want from you? I really don't know. I had already decided not to come back. So I, I really have no idea. To leadership. Right. You were still attending the church. Yes, I was still attending the church. I wasn't coming back as a leader. So I really, I don't know. Um, at the end of that meeting, they asked if they could pray for me. And I was really upset. And I said no. Um, and I left. And as I was leaving, I had my two boys with me. The executive pastor at the time, Karen Franzen, saw me. I was visibly upset. I had been crying. I was, you know, I thought these people were my friends. I didn't understand where this whole bracelet thing was coming from it seemed really ridiculous to me well and you were leaving the ministry at that point right was there any talk about you know repentance and reconciliation restoration for you know the sin that they were calling out no there was nothing 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 to that effect okay we need to go to break okay (laughs) i hate to do that at this point but when we come back I still don't know why you got that letter. So specifically, Mm -hmm. we've got the background. I want to hear exactly what precipitated that letter. But then there's a really redemptive story on the other side of this. Really cool story. It involves your pastor, Marcus Biskey, who just uh, resigned. When we come back, we'll hear all about that story. Again, you're listening to The Roy's Report here with Teresa Zinkel, Jim Bedell. We'll be right back. This is the Royce Report with Julie Royce. Well, has Willow Creek tried to move on too quickly from the scandal surrounding Bill Hybels? And what needs to happen to bring people hurt and alienated by the church back into fellowship or at least at peace with the church? 
Welcome back to the Roy's Report. I'm Julie Roy's, and today we're discussing what's really happening at Willow Creek. Joining me to do that is Jim Bedell, a lay leader at Willow Creek for more than 30 years. Also joining me is Teresa Zinkel, someone who grew up at Willow and then was very hurt by the church in a very hurtful situation. We're in the midst of talking about that. But by the way, I want to let you know, if you'd like to listen to this program and hear anything you've missed, I will be posting the full audio to my website, julieroy, spelled R-O-Y-S, dot com. Also, before we dive back into our conversation, I want to give you a personal invitation to the upcoming Restore Chicago Conference on November 2nd at Judson University. This is a one-of-a-kind event designed for people really like Teresa, like Jim, um, like a lot of the people that I talked to and got to know when I was doing my investigation at Harvest who have either experienced spiritual abuse or just have a passion for the purity of the church. Joining me will be Nancy Beach, a former teaching pastor at Willow Creek Community Church and one of several women who bravely confronted abuse by Pastor Bill Hybels. Also joining me, Wade Mullen, an expert on spiritual abuse, R.T. Muldner, a former pastor at Harvest Bible Chapel. I know so many have been hurt and disillusioned and really need a place to come and experience some healing. So I hope you'll consider coming. If you haven't registered uh, already or you just want more information, just go to RestoreChicagoConference.com. Well, Teresa, uh, before the break, you were telling us what led up to this letter that you got, uh, basically kicking you out of Willow Creek Crystal Lake back in 2009, uh, what immediately precipitated it, though? Um, so I was asked to come back by the executive pastor and talk about the meeting that I had just previously had, which I was agreeable to. I have email um, correspondence going back and forth. I said, yes, I would be happy to come talk to you. During the course of that week that we were supposed to meet, there were some things going on. My father had passed. My biological father had passed away. I was getting married. I said, can we postpone this meeting just a little bit? Mm-hmm. To which she responded, Sure, no problem. So I'm thinking I've got some time. There wasn't a time limit put on, uh, you know, when that should be. Within less than two weeks of that, on a Saturday morning, I get a ring at the doorbell, and it's the mail lady and asking me to sign for a certified letter. And I was kind of, you know, what what is this? I open it up, and it's from Willow Creek's attorneys telling me that I'm disseminating false information on the internet and that I'm resisting. What, what did you, you had posted something. Yes, I did. I had posted after that initial meeting, leaders need to get off their high horses. That's it. <laughs> that's it. That That's what I said. Um, so that letter brought me to my knees because this mm. was a family to me. And I'm thinking, how did we get from A to Z? They didn't even pick up the phone to call me. And they said, you know, the executive pastor said, I'm okay to have some time, but never said, hey, it's been a, you know, it's been a week. We really need you to come in. I would have gladly gone in and spoken to them. So I have this letter telling me I will be arrested if I step foot. And this is on Saturday. I had planned to go to church on Sunday with my kids. Mm. And it was so devastating because I thought if this is coming from a church, what else are they capable of? Mm. First going through my mind, what are they going to say I did? Mm. Um, and I immediately emailed Marcus and Scott Vaudry, who was head of the ERT at that time. ERT stands for? Elder Response Team. Okay. Um, I said, I, you know, I want to meet with you. I'd love to hear what you think I did wrong. So my husband and I met with them um, just a few weeks before our wedding. And I said, I would like to know what proof you have or what you think that I said. Well, we don't, we don't have anything. I said, what are you thinking I'm disseminating on the Internet? 
we don't we don't have any information. Someone just told us that you were. I said, well, I'll tell you exactly what I said. I said leaders need to get off their high horse. Maybe immature of me. Fine. But that's not slanderous. We're not allowed to say anything about Willow Creek. Even if I did say Willow Creek needs to get off its high horse. Hmm. Big deal. And about resisting efforts. Here is the email that I have from the executive pastor stating that I have some time. Mm-hmm. So, so it was all resolved. <laughs> you would think. <laughs> In that meeting, I do want to point out that, mm-hmm. you know, the head of the ERT was, I felt very calculated in the way that he was speaking to me, mm. very condescending. Mm. There was clearly no evidence. Marcus was also in that meeting looking very shaken and very nervous about what was going on. Mm-hmm. So they said, uh, the head of the ERT, Scott Vaudry, said, oops, we may have gotten this one wrong. Okay, you're cleared of any wrongdoing. We still don't want you to talk to anybody. We still don't want you to have conversations with any staff or students. I'm like, we, and we don't want you to talk about this letter. He personally called me and told me, do not discuss the letter. There could be a lawsuit brought against you if you out that you know he didn't say out this but if, if, if you, you talk if you talk it. about it yeah and I was terrified mm-hmm. I was terrified to go back to church I felt like I was labeled did you, could you go back to church or did you feel they, like it no that within a month I mean within a few weeks of meeting with them they said oh you can go back well thanks I mean you just really scared me and brought mm-hmm. me to my knees do you think I want to step foot back in there? So you didn't go back, except then you had the ba- you got married. About yes. a year later, you have a baby. You you did go back, and but that wasn't a warm experience. welcome. No, mm-hmm. not at all. I'm standing there with you know my husband, my my older kids, my young baby. My the baby was a month old, and everybody just looked at me like I had some scarlet letter and walked away. And I'm like, all of these people were my friends. They were in my house. What do they think I did? What is mm-hmm. being said? I was completely cleared of any wrongdoing. But I felt like that completely cleared of wrongdoing came with just go away and be quiet. Mm. And you did not go back to church for 10 years? Yes, for 10 years. Wow. And I want to hear the story of reconciliation. But Jim, you're saying this is not an isolated experience. No. I mean, there were multiple situations that I uh, know about. Uh, Part of my, you know, ability to gather information was because I I saw a number of people that were uh, employees of Willow or people that had been, um, you know, sent away the way uh, Teresa was who could come to me and share. Uh, Some of the employees had NDAs, like they left their employment, but they couldn't really talk about their experience, but they could talk to me because you cannot restrict somebody from going to a therapeutic setting. So, you know, I mean, I saw this over and over. And, and, you know, I've always conceptualized that Willow is more concerned about image than integrity. They're more concerned about how they look. And so they're kind of like a surgeon. You know, Teresa, to them, represented a piece of cancer tissue. They had to cut it out, throw it away, excise it, and get rid of mm. it. They never went after her and followed up and said, what do we need to do to truly restore you back into? Well, in Galatians 6, yeah. it, it says those of you who are spiritual should go to someone gently, right, right, in love, and, and gently restore them. I mean, there's, there's a prescription mm-hmm. for how we deal with sin in the church. And, and Matthew 18, you know, I mean, those steps weren't followed. No, they weren't. I mean, you know, to be concerned about the person over the the image, the corporate image that... 
And that was multiple stories of people mm-hmm. just being sent away, kind of the leprosy colony of ex-Willow uh, people, because they just they, they saw problems. And, and Scott Vaudry, the ERT, I always said they're kind of like the, the hitmen, the cleaners. They cleaned the church of problems, you mm-hmm. know. And so they would eliminate and separate people out of the uh, church that represented some mm-hmm. threat to the image, but would never go after them. You know, the church sings about the 99 and going after the, the one. one. They, they, it, the reality is they never went after the one in terms mm-hmm. of saying, look, you know, whatever you're doing, it represents some hurt or problem or whatever. We need to be there with you to seek to restore you. That just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, <clears throat> I mean, kind of what you're pushing for right now is, hey, listen, we, we've kind of dealt with the tip of the iceberg here with these women, but which we haven't fully dealt with. But there's all these other wounded people mm-hmm. that we need oh, to deal yeah. with. Right. And it takes time. And it's not very, you know, we want to move forward and reach the world. Well, you know, it, it takes time to do this. And it does detract from some other things. But can you move forward when you haven't dealt with them? Yeah. Teresa, about 18 months ago, you ran into Marcus. Well, right? yeah, I had been, you know, I had kept that letter quiet. I had kept it quiet for several years and then within the last three to four really started talking about it a little bit more. I knew it was wrong what they had done and I knew that it would come out in time. Mm -hmm. I saved the letter. I saved the correspondence. I knew that this was not just going to be the end of it. Um, I had actually run into Marcus at a coffee shop a few years back and I looked at him and I was like, Marcus, do you remember me? And he was like, no, you know, I, I, I don't know. You know, I was like, oh, you don't remember me? And remember my name and he was like no and I said to him you should really remember the people you threw out of your church (laughs) now obviously I really feel feel horrible about that now um well but that that started a process I was trying to get somebody's attention to listen to what was going on Mm -hmm. um he did finally you know want to sit down and speak with me and I think it was after these ladies stories came out I think it opened up a window to kind of see the what was going on in the church as a whole. And he was so gracious and so kind. And I think we needed that time. It was in God's timing that this healing was going to take place. Mm. But he sat down and he listened to me, not just what happened with the letter, but my entire story Mm. of why that made me feel so abandoned. And I hate to rush this story, but I I can see our time. But that resulted with him showing up at your door with a letter of his own coming in He owned it. He owned it. And he cleared me of any wrongdoing. And he took the necessary steps to go through and talk to the people that were a part of doing this and making everything right. And he took the responsibility when I knew it wasn't his to take. He was a new pastor at the time. He was he was, you know, believing what Big Willow and the executive pastor and everybody was telling him to do. And when you're part of, you know, Willow, which is the gold standard of churches, not just nationwide but globally you believe pretty much that they're they're doing it right so let me bring us back Mm -hmm. to where we started this man who you've grown to love and now finally trust and you finally come back to the church is resigning what are you going to do you know that's a good question i think we're just going to have to pray about that and you know i'd love to say where where marcus goes we'd like to go <laughs> um you don't know where he's going to go we don't know where or he's going to go gonna land. Uh, jim yeah, yeah he, what do you he feel? has no immediate plans he's going to take time to mm-hmm. process what are you going to do though well you know the the interesting thing is that um dave smith the executive pastor is taking mm-hmm. over for him and and in many ways dave 
you know, is just as, you know, committed to the process of, you know, biblically-based healing. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, you know, as he takes over. And uh, But, you know, to kind of follow through with, with Teresa's thing, the church allowed, like, the ERT, which was off-site, to deal with local problems. And uh, Marcus was kind of handicapped by the fact that he had to kind of go along with a decision made by somebody outside the church that really didn't know the situation thoroughly and made decisions that were unbiblical and they were really unhealthy for everybody. But he had to go along with it. Yeah, so, so tough. Hey, Jim, Teresa, thank you so much for sharing your stories. I feel like we could talk for hours. Unfortunately, we don't have hours. But thank you for sharing your story. You know, and Joel... uh, 225, God says, I will restore to you the years the locusts have eaten. And there he's talking about the nation of Israel. But I feel like this is my prayer for Willow and for those who have been hurt, um, that the church would be restored, that these years that were so bad and so damaging would find some redemption. So I encourage you as you're listening, friends, pray for Willow, pray for victims, pray for the leadership. Let's try to help to move towards some sort of positive resolution, but a biblical one. Um, Thanks again so much for listening. As a reminder, uh, this show will be posted to my website, julieroy, spelled R-O-Y-S dot com. I hope you have a great weekend and God bless.